In October of this year, BYU researchers found out that the state of Utah outranks every other state for citizens who are suffering from mental illness per capita. The data showed that 29.68% of Utahns had reported some kind of mental illness, making it the highest rated in any mental illness category. Utah was also ranked number one in serious mental illness category, with one in 13 Utahns falling under that category. On top of that, more than one in 10 Utahns have reported having a major depressive episode in the last year. Utahns have reported more serious suicidal thoughts and are more likely to have planned suicide compared to other Americans across the nation. My name is Reed Nasser, and this is Internal Wellness. In Utah, I ask you, how are you feeling today? And are you ready to get help? It's, it's how, do we, how do we deal with that to go on and, and learn from that? that none of us are going to be perfect no matter what we do. It's just not in our human build. Statistically in Utah, 139,000 adults have a serious mental illness. 51,000 Utahns aged 12 to 17 have experienced an episode of depression. In this podcast, I'm going to do a deep dive into some of the many resources that are provided to Utahns who are in need of mental health treatment. I spoke with experts in their field about mental health trends within the past few years, what makes Utah susceptible to this epidemic, and how those who are self-learning can get help. In order to get a better understanding of Utah's general need for mental health services and what these resources are, I sat down with Doran Williams, a licensed clinical so social worker and associate director of Wasatch Behavioral Health, which is a comprehensive community mental health center offering an array of programs and services for children, teens, and adults in both Utah and Wasatch counties. Williams had this to say about Utah's current state. Is there an influx within the state of Utah that you're finding a certain age group, sex, ethnic, or race group that's been experiencing a higher amount of mental illness? I, I would say it's across the board that's increased for many, I think many reasons. I don't think there's an exact one reason you can pin any of it on. I think part of it is, is there's more interaction. There's more publication about it. There's more talking about how to get rid of the stigma uh, that's been there. And I think we're getting better at diagnosing, helping people understand it and making it part of a routine process, just like you would if I have the cold, the flu, a headache, diabetes, whatever, that it's okay to go get treatment and go get help. You know, that our body is our body, our minds are mine, they all are connected. And so I, I think part of it is, is helping people understand that one treatment does work and does help and it is available. I know there is some struggle with shortage of staff that's out there and it's, it's a nationwide thing, not just here in Utah. Uh, and so people are, are, are somewhat more willing to talk to people and people are more aware of what to look for in science. Are we perfect yet? No. Do we have the stigma completely gone? No. But I, I think that's the, the challenge we have. And I would say you have as the next generation, as I phase out as an, an older individual, that to be able to, to promote and to help people understand that it's okay to talk about my story, my vision, that it's okay to understand how people deal with mental health issues or deal with SUV treatment and services and be able to help them get treatment and, and help because it can help. It's, it doesn't mean that you have a character flaw or there's something wrong with you, but it's part of just being human that we, our bodies do this and that, that we need help and it's okay. And I think that's, that's a big thing that treatment does work and there is help that needs to go out there. Because 
you know, if you catch the signs early, we always want to catch them early because then the treatment doesn't have to be as aggressive or hard, but it's also helping people to learn the skills while they're still developing of what's going on and helping parents. Oftentimes parents feel guilty or, or they're blaming me, but it's, it's nobody's fault. It's how do we work with it? You know, there's different kinds. You know, depression is probably the, the most used word in the world, in my opinion, but oftentimes the definition is so varied by individuals. So if I have a bad day, then am I depressed? Or if I'm clinically depressed, am I depressed? And so there is differences that very normal, we go through different cycles of depressions and feeling bad versus what is clinical depression and what's going on? And how do we help people understand that? Because we're all gonna have a bad day. You know, whether we're in school or a relationship breaks up, it's gonna be a different level of depression, anxiety, whatever is going on. And each of us deal differently with it. Our makeup, our genetics, our environment, all deals differently for individual individual. You can't just say, this is all the same for everybody because each individual is differently what's going on. So right now Utah's ranked pretty high with the diagnosis, diagnoses of, you know, individuals uh, with a mental illness, you know. Um, have you found in your work that there are certain factors that have made the state of Utah's prime for such an increase well, I, of mental illness? I, I think we have a good mental health foundation and treatment network. And there again, Utah is different the way they do mental health treatment than other states. How so? For example, let me just take Medicaid for one, okay? Um, in other states, Medicaid's given to kind of what they call accountable care organization, and then they then provide providers, providers, providers that are down there. Um, Kind of like, like Salt Lake County does similar to that. They give it to Salt Lake County, Behavioral Health. They contract with Optum, who then Optum contracts with providers. Where in the other, there's 13 mental health kind of mental health authorities in the state of Utah. And so Salt Lake County has Salt Lake County that's there. Wasatch has Utah County and Summit and Wasatch County. And so there again, we're not competing with each other where they're providing. Uh, Wasatch Behavioral Health not only becomes kind of the managed care organization, but we pr- we provide probably 90 to 95% of services in-house, where Salt Lake County, most of it goes to outside providers and contractors. And it's a different philosophy that we have. Most of the other mental health centers in the state of Utah are like us, that they provide the services in-house. You know, we, we feel it's a better way to coordinate and connect, that we can have a case manager, someone assigned, that we know what's going on with the individual. Plus we can help make things happen. Where like, if you have insurance, you're gonna to have to call in a prescriber, you're gonna to have to call a therapist. You know, it's you and you're able to do that. Some folks aren't able to do that. And so it kind of makes it more of a, in our opinion, more of a continuity of care going on. And it's a different philosophy is basically what it is. My opinion, I can say one better than the other, but and they'll probably say, no, ours is better than whatever. But I think, I think part of that is, is that we have designated areas and geographic locations to provide the treatment. We're not fighting with one another. Or if you go to some of the other states, you have like a managed an accountable care organization and the provider can be anywhere and go all over places. It's not kind of segmented out geographically, provide treatment. So we don't have to be fighting one another. It's how do we work together? If someone moves from my area to another mental health center, we make that transition as smooth as possible. 
because we're not competing with one another. We're helping and providing services. So I think Utah's done a great job at doing that and provide the services for the clients and make it easy. It's not like we're, we're beating each other up, competing with one another of what's happening, going on. So I, I think that's one of the things that Utah's done very well with, where the other states, they've got more bureaucracy in it and they really become competitors in the same locations there. Would you say that our state government has been helpful with the treatment of? Oh, very much so. I mean, they've pushed receiving centers that have come on, mobile crisis outreach teams coming on. Um, I think they've built up crisis services. It's been good. I think the federal government rolling out 988 to make it an easy crisis number. Uh, so it's, it's simpler to remember 988 versus the long number we used to have. And so I, I think legislature has been very helpful in doing that process and looking at how do we, how do we provide treatment? Because reality is, is I think most of us either know somebody or been connected to somebody that's had, had dealings with mental health issues or some use disorder issues. And so it becomes more closer to home. So how would you define Utah's need, like Utah's need for mental health services? Like, how would you quantify that? I, I think there again, when you talk the Medicaid population, Medicaid's got a great wraparound services that are there. Where if you go to your private insurance companies, they're, they have a limited amount of services that are there. And so, and they're not compatible. And so I think there's some differences there of, of what's offered. I think we, we sometimes get lift service that we have parity with health and, and mental health, that there's parity of what's going on. I don't know if we actually, when rubber meets the road, does it actually occur? And, you know, so I, I think there's some differences that, that go on that I, I think we're still trying to work out. Are we getting better? Yes. Do we have room to grow? Yes. And so I, I think it's a, it's a growing process, but I think they're getting there. And I think things are changing slowly, but we're getting there. And I think Utah's done a great, great way of how to do it and set it up and make it work. Have you seen an increase of the need for mental health services in the past few years? I do, yes, definitely. I think there's a lot more anxiety and depression probably, they're probably two most common ones. Now, if you could tell me exactly what caused that, you'd be a rich individual. But but I think there's a lot, I think that a lot of our environment, our social interactions, a lot of things have changed. And I think that changes too, based on your neighborhood. Do you interact with your neighbors? Do you know who they are? So there's a lot of the things that have been very grateful and happening in our world to make things easier, faster, whatever, but they've also had consequences on the negative side too. I think, you know, I don't think anybody can say, well, that caused it, that caused it, that caused it, but there's a lot of things that are doing it. I think there's a lot of pressure. I think sometimes we don't allow kids going to school to fail. There's so much pressure to, you know, have them get good grades, whatever, but we don't allow that natural consequences to occur. We try to protect them sometimes. And I think we've, we've got to be able to let them fall as well as help build them up and, and pick them up in this process. Because none of us are perfect. We, we grow as we do, and that's the way we learn. I often, I often tell folks that, there again, if you've ever watched a baby learn to walk, it's a great example. And if you never let that baby fall, that child will never learn to walk. And sometimes we forget that. And so we've got to be able to let people learn, let people fail, so to speak. I mean, to me, failing is not, failing is when you quit trying. Uh, that's where lessons are learned. It's when we, 
we don't get 100% or whatever. We may not get the A on the test or whatever, but it's, it's how, do we, how do we deal with that to go on and, and learn from that, that none of us are going to be perfect no matter what we do. It's just not in our human build, so to speak. So you've been kind of mentioning you were, you've been working with families and parents along with the people who are receiving care. Are there things that you've been recommending more now since this like increase for care? Well, I, I think probably the biggest one is building, building that unity in a family, um, getting to know each other. We often talk about doing check-ins. So that way you see how things are going, what's happening. You know, it's having simple things, having dinner together, getting rid of the phones, electronics, that you have some electronic free spaces that you can learn to communicate and learn to talk and learn to be able to carry on a conversation and build that trust in the relationship. Because I mean, in reality, that's the key is relationships that we have. And so I think some of those simple things that we can do to build and strengthen our relationships with our, our family unit is always one. You know, you can tear that apart in many different ways, which means then the partners need to work together and needs to be able to have a strong relationship, an honest relationship. And then how do they treat the kids? Because each one's going to have a ripple effect that goes on, that goes on what's happening, the way they treat each other. You can look at many of the abuses that causes ripple effects along the way. But if you can get the family nucleus to, to work together and build and teach and work on those relationships, no matter the makeup, that then builds and strengthens and helps people to understand that when they do go out and have a difficult time, they've got a support system there that will support them, help them and be there and help them through that process. Not do it for them, but to be there and help encourage them to do hard things and you can get through it. What resources do Utahns have for those who are struggling? There's, like I said, the local mental health authorities that do drug treatment or SUD treatment, they've got services that are there for individuals. Now, some insurance companies will provide it, some won't, but there's also funds and grants and other stuff that could be used if they'll go talk to the local mental health authority and find out what's available and what can happen. So that way they can get the treatment that they need, get back in and be productive in relationships, as well as employment, whatever, that they need to be back and working for. Grabner stated how drug abuse can negatively impact mental health. A study done by the Utah Department of Health and Human Services found that there is a positive correlation between the substance abuse epidemic in Utah and the rise of mental illness. Now, of course, this is not the only reason behind Utah's mentally ill population, and we may never know why Utahns might be more susceptible. However, it is an issue that helps provide context. On average, 475 people a year in Utah die from an unintentional drug poisoning death. 303 of those people die from a prescription opioid drug overdose, 156 people die from heroin overdose, and 88 people die from synthetic opioid overdose. Utah is home to many nonprofits that work towards treating this epidemic. I sat down with Debbie Drapner from BART, an addiction treatment facility that provides high-quality, patient-focused treatment for addiction to prescription medications and other opioids. They also provide primary medical care and mental health services. Mental health is a huge factor. Um, we don't treat the, the mental health here. We coordinate with mental health uh, ther providers and therapists and, and psychiatrists and, 
and so forth. It is prevalent in 100% of anybody with addiction. Also, trauma. So, uh, but I say again, 100%. And and trauma it is perceived. And mental health, we see it more as a physical issue, meaning the brain just like with addiction, so that mental health, the the brain needs to be treated where trauma is not something you can medicate. There are an array of resources for those who are struggling with mental illness here in Utah, such as inpatient and outpatient services, free online therapy, communal therapy sessions, and more. The National Alliance on Mental Illness Utah, also known as NAMI Utah, is a prime example of free resources offered to Utahns. Their mission is to ensure the dignity and improve the lives of those who live with mental illness and their families through support, education, and advocacy. NAMI is a grassroots organization that was started in 1988, and according to NAMI, their greatest strength is the dedication of the family members, individuals living with mental health conditions who teach their classes, their, lead their support groups, and advocate in their communities. Through their lived experiences, they are able to offer help, hope, and healing to those people who are affected by these conditions. Jules Castanago, who is a peer mentor for families and individuals, and I talked about the services done by NAMI and what she has observed over the past few years. So we teach about um, what the brain is doing when you have a mental disorder, um, different mental disorders and how the brain is functioning. Uh, we teach what medications work for what disorders. Uh, we also teach how to set goals, like mini goals to accomplish bigger goals. Uh, we we teach how to um, interact with people that have mental illness for like the family support one. Uh, we teach a different language on how to approach people with mental illness. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that they teach to to assist in that in that. Yeah. Mike, like, have you seen an increase of people needing these resources? Since the pandemic, yes. Um, I used to do group in person before the pandemic, and we were a group of like 10. Now each group has about 15 to 20 people Monday through Saturday. And uh, we are reaching a lot more like family members that want to support their families with this. Uh, we are, we get people that have severe mental illness that even their therapists have like um, ended their their relationship because they're too they cannot assist them with that and and sometimes the support group um, environment gets them to the point where they could actually find a therapist that will do one on one with them because they are in a better place. As someone who's also suffered from mental illness, the subject is very close to me. My life was saved by the many resources that were highlighted in today's episode. So if you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, don't hesitate to reach out to experts for help. It's never too late to start to heal. I'm Reed Nasser, and this was Eternal Wellness.